Welcome to Beer and Gear with Felix and Wes. Brought to you by Highway Marketing. So uh, I guess we'll start um, as usual. We will uh, we'll start by talking about what we're drinking today. I have got a three star stout with bourbon pecans brewed by Red Gap Brewing out in the middle of nowhere, Texas. Bam. There you go. So it's a it's a seven percent ABV uh, as usual. I'm drinking the high alcohol content beers. So uh, well, this is actually. Uh, uh, Mexican beer, Tecate, mm. is the, the red version. There are two other colors. And this is, yeah, this is the high obtain. Yes. <laughs> of beer. You know, it's a lager, but, uh, you know, it's strong. Yeah, I love Tecates. They're perfect in the summer when you're out by the, the lake, you know, little little citrus in there. Mm, good stuff. Yeah. Do you know Mexico? Do what? Ever been to Mexico? Yes. Yes. Many. I mean, you know, I was born in Texas, so I've been to yes. Mexico many times. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. You were born in Mexico. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. The north, northern Mexico. Yeah, northern oh, Mexico. I'm doing another Mexican beer from Austin, Texas, actually, a lager. <laughs> actually, no, I'm doing a pale ale uh, from Last Stand Brewing here in Austin, Texas. So Excellent. I need to go local here and there because... Wes makes me feel bad about picking anything that's not. <laughs> hey, man, I spend quite a bit of time at, uh, you know, we need to be sponsored by Total Wine, by the way. But I spend a lot of time in their craft beer section, like, you know, getting ready for this podcast. I literally, it's a thing. My wife is like, man, you take so long in there. I'm like, yeah, I'm getting two beers. She's like, two? I actually, I actually got another one, um, a craft beer or in, but it was warm. And I just got home with it, so yeah. I had to I had to do something different because I wasn't. I like you guys, but I'm not drinking a warm beer with you. <laughs> yeah, no, no, no. That, that was very Germanish kind of shit. Yeah, warm beer. Like I don't get that. Like, uh, and it was a Belgian beer, actually, the one that bought. So hey, um, Wes, I we've been doing this, and I I was like, dude, we gotta talk to this guy. Um, if there's anybody that can make me feel uncomfortable, it's this guy right here. So I really hope we keep it. <laughs> appropriate for work <laughs> well i've been in in all fairness i've been putting the explicit tag on all of them because i can't remember if if any of us said shit or you know whatever during the podcast you know cursing oh it'll like, happen today like sailors it, it, so w whether it happens or not I'm, I'm marking all of them explicit because i'd rather be uh safe than sorry you know and we're drinking when we're talking we might forget mm -hmm. so yeah. ivan ochoa dude's from my hometown in venezuela in Car caracas in venezuela so it's it's the Venezuelan takeover. Hmm. Uh, I met him on the road. He was opening, he was uh, doing sound for Amigos Invisibles and then keep seeing him after. And I don't know if you've experienced hanging out with a band and the front of house guy and the front of house high has way more, um, it's way more obnoxious and way more uh, charismatic than the whole band put together. Uh, this was the case. Like you're at a bar with this dude and, and the band's there and he's the loudest one. And I was like, dude, we got to bring him over. Uh, he has a badass story. Uh, he's done sound everywhere. So here he is. So Very cool. Yeah, I've never had that experience. Usually the sound guy is the quiet dude in the corner that, you know, is is like, <laughs> you know, not. He might be a little bit into it, but, you know, he's usually the little more reserved guy or the dude doing all the drugs, you know, one I of the two. That, that too. I just realized. <laughs> I just, yeah, I just realized that uh, uh, in order to um, 
understand, especially when you when you have a band of six guys and they all have, you know, their thing, it's, you know, like getting involved in, in, in the energy, you know, like that, that's what they want to, uh, that's what they want the crowd to feel. So mm-hmm. I was like, you know, this has to go everywhere. And, you know, like I, I make my crew, like literally make my crew uh, be part of the, of the show in every single way, whatever you can do that uh, people look at, you know, like, you know, to the stage and back because there's another show behind, <laughs> you know, it, it adds up to the show. Mm-hmm. And people love that, you know, like I do background vocals for them from, from the house when I wow. can. I was going to, I was going to bring that up. I was like, well, wow. we better talk about that because I've seen you do backup on the front of the house. It all started on tour. We were on tour, starting the tour somewhere in Europe. And then one of the main vocals, which is, uh, which was the, the keyboard player, he got sick, like ill sick, like he couldn't talk got some laryngitis, some kind of shit like that. Everybody was like, you know, push him to the side, this guy. And, uh, and you know, like it was very important and we had the same range. So I, I was like, well, let, let me see if I can do it. And I started doing it. And the front man noticed it. And he was like, dude, you got to keep on doing that. Just keep on doing that. Keep on doing that. Whatever you're doing, <clears throat> I can hear another vocal somewhere else. And I know that it's none of these guys. And I like this shit. Just keep on doing it. That's crazy. That's and weird. I, I did a, uh, a gig <laughs> By one the way, time. I saw him after a show was and, 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 and I think I whispered in his ear, do you sing from here? Because you're not pretty enough to be on stage. <laughs> <laughs> That's, That's funny. I did a, a gig one time when I was still had, you know, visions of being a musician. I did a, a gig that we called karaoke from hell. So it was karaoke with a live band. Right. And I was the band leader, guitar player and everything. And our front of house guy and was a uh, uh, was a good friend of mine. And, and uh, he he's a pretty good singer and plays piano. So as the, the gigs went on, we did it every week. And as the gigs went on, you know, I would be, I'd be playing it. We were just a three piece, you know, doing all these cover songs with people coming up and singing, you know, off of a little sheet, but, uh, I would start hearing keyboards and backup vocals. And I'm like, what, what is going on? And I started looking out in front of house. He's back there playing keys and singing into the microphone. <laughs> I'm just like, wow, that dude yeah. is working. Yeah. yeah, well, that's that's what people say say to me. You know, like you were really working, but you know, this whole idea of doing background vocals from front of house came originally from this front of house from this Brazilian band uh, called uh, Paralamas, and oh, wow. uh, yeah, and and this guy, this front of house, he was doing it for real. I mean, there were four vocals. I mean, seriously, constantly, and and I was like, what? This fucking this shit is amazing. I didn't, I, when, when I started doing it, I, I, I didn't think about that, you know, but then, uh, 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 you know, when somebody came to me, so, uh, you know, uh, you know, along the tour and told me like, oh, you would never seen this. It's just so new. You, you guys should have another show in the back or whatever. And I was like, well, this is not my idea. This shit been happening in Brazil for a while. This dude who created it. I can't remember his name right now, but I, I can Google it. Well, I'd like to I'd like to talk about a little bit about that the the show at front of house thing because I've seen you know I I, I think that a lot of of what we do as engineers is you know we're that we're that window that the artist you know 
displays their art through, right? So we're the, we're the guys that have to make sure that whatever that art is, we're the window that broadcasts that out. But That's at the right. same time, we're about, and I've talked about this on the show before, we're about bringing an experience. We're responsible for making sure that experience and shows are something that people never forget. Like you remember, you know, the birth of your kids, your wedding, that amazing show I went to when I was 14, you know, like those are experiences. So if you can heighten that experience at front of house by dancing or singing or like making it part of the show, you know, I, I think that's something people go and see your the, the show that you're working at, I guarantee they're like, Oh, man, there was that amazing show where that dude at front of house was singing. And like, he was part of the show is crazy. I've never seen anything like that. They will always remember that. That's right. That's right. And you know, the first time I saw it like a real show, you know, at, you know, at front of house was with the LD. It was Nine Inch Nails LD. And mm -hmm. this dude had a separate uh, riser. Like, you know, it was a whole uh, front of house station, right? And actually the front of house guy was in the corner right, kind of off of the center, which was for me, it was like, why? And the video guys were all front. And then the, the LD was in, in, in an elevator, uh, elevated uh, uh, riser and he had a full stage like four by four with the console shirtless <laughs> you know and head banging and everything everything he was doing on on the on the console it was on time he was singing and head banging with the band like every single song and, wow. and that shit to me was like whoa and you can see his show, uh, you know, like uh, getting together with the band, you know, mm -hmm. with, you know, every single thing that Resonant was doing on stage, he was like, you know, on point with this guy. And, yeah. and, and, and then I realized there was, you know, like a major thing and you need to connect with the band and the energy with the band and everything, just like you said, everything that, you know, they're trying to, you know, uh, make the crowd feel you have to make it work at once. I mean, each one of them played, you know, a single instrument that, you know, all together make that sound. Now you have to, you know, like understand all those minds and, and make it, make it real. <laughs> yeah. Know? Yeah. That's, that's interesting. Cause you're kind of taking that from the, you know, we always, we always talk about, you know, the, the there's art and there's science to this job there's you know there's all that stuff but you know that's really pushing the the art side of it to a place where most people don't understand the the art side of it outside of the small group of engineers that you know are the same dudes you run into every day on the road you know like it's, it's we're the, the the only guys that you actually that actually go oh yeah there there's that art part of it but what you're doing is actually you know, in, inviting the crowd in to to be part of the art and see what what it is you're doing. You're pushing that art part of it a little bit further, where even you know right. the, the casual listener that's at the show could can see that there's something going on there. That's I that's mean, really cool. You you walked into a venue before. I remember. I clearly remember this one time in Dallas. Actually, I go to eat, and next door from the, to the restaurant there was a venue, and the band was so loud in an empty place. And it was so poorly mixed that there's literally four or five people all in the bar, but they're in the patio and they're terrified. They're just like standing <laughs> back. As, so it's like, it, it's the they, job of the engineer at that point just to bring it down. Let no, people there, come no, in. <laughs> there's, also, there's also a big difference in 103 dB poor mixed loud 
or 103 degree you balance. Know, well, yeah. well done balance. You know, you won't feel it the same way. I mean, mm. it's, if it's, it's just, you know, wrongly, poorly mixed, that shit is going to be, you know, like, you know, blasting <laughs> in your face, you know, like, there's no way to run from it. You know? Yeah. Yeah. So go ahead. Oh, I was going to, I was going to say, you know, like, how did you get into this? Where, you know, what was that? We all have that, that spark that happened. What was yours? Well, listen, this is, this is a funny, funny story. Cause you know, where, where I grew up, I, you know, I was born in, in Caracas, you know, in the city in Venezuela, mm-hmm. but um, I grew up in mountains and in, in a town like 1400 uh, over sea level. And it was, you know, like kind of the same way where I'm living right now. And, um, and, uh, and, you know, like uh, along the way home, there was the the uh, IVIC, which is the center of uh, you know scientific uh, you know searching in in, in Venezuela. Mm-hmm. So uh, most of the people that live in that town where I was living, they were you know scientists. So I uh, you know after high school I went I started you know studying physics, you know like because I thought you know like since I was there and that's all I knew and science science was a big uh, thing for all of us up there. I uh, knew we were all musicians and um, and then I went for physics, but then, you know, half way through the career, the, to the, to the, um, uh, 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 major. Yeah. Major. Mm-hmm. Um, I realized that I was not going to do anything really uh, <laughs> profitable in Venezuela mm-hmm. with that, you know, with that thing. So, uh, a friend of mine who went to full sail just came back to to from my town and you know like uh, we met in a party and he was telling me all about the you know full sail and the experience in full sail and you know I was telling you know my frustration you know with physics and he was like well since you like it that much why don't you just apply it to you know audio you know sound engineering which is like you know a lot of physics a lot of you know there's a lot of it in it and uh and you know like next day I, you know like i rolled in a different career man and and i went to school in the first school in uh, first audio school in latin america which is uh the taller de artesano that's hmm. you go to that one you didn't go to that one right no 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 i i i left right after high school ah, so, okay yeah yeah that was the first audio school in latin america and then they opened another one in chile and uh and that's it and then, you know, SAE took over all over the world, you know, pretty much. Because before that, it was, you know, full sale, uh, AR, uh, what, what was the one in, in New York City? Um, oh, uh, what was that? Institute, AR? Institute of Audio Research. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's it. Yep. Yeah. And uh, I, I used to teach there, you know, I, I, uh, you know like, I used to do master classes there because there was a teacher there, Gary Fritz, which is a very you know, famous percussionist in New York City. The percussionist for, you know, Roberto Flack and, you know, Cheka Can and shit like that. Alvin Ali, the, you know, the dance company. And um, and he brought me in and he was also part of the crew of Summer Stage, which, you know, I was the stage manager for two years over there. Well, there are many stories if you want to get into that. <laughs> but I want to let you guys ask first. <laughs> um, so how do you get out of Venezuela? So you, you did sound, you did a lot of bands down in Venezuela or? I did pretty much everything that happened between 92 and 97 
in terms of uh, new bands, all the, the famous bands that uh, came out, you know, in between those years. And um, and I would, uh, as soon as I, you know, fresh, it's, not a, it's not a big industry there. No, yeah. it wasn't. But, uh, yeah. you know, we were working every single man from Wednesday to Sunday, every single week. You know, like we were doing like a different band in a different venue, like, you know, the sound company that I was working with, it was doing all these small shows, like all these small bands, like kind of like, just imagine like it was Seattle, like that, you know, like they were all the same bands, they all knew each other in, in, in Caracas. And, and we were pretty much touring, you know, with the support because there was no sound and the venues that, I, you know, the, the, the you know, the technical requirements you know these new bands they were learning from from all this new technology but in venezuela there was none so this guy invested all this money and bought this you know like touring company you know with stage and everything lights and the whole thing and we're four guys touring with that company everywhere man in the wow. city every single venue we were you know the tour support that's how we started and at the same time fresh from audio school I I got this gig with this guy that he was living. Check, check this out. This is how I, I know about Los Amigos, how I get connected with Los Amigos. I was just fresh out of school from out of school. And then doing one of these gigs, uh, this guy comes to the owner of the sound company and starts telling him this story that, you know, I'm leaving the theater because, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm starting to manage in this band and they're going to New York because, you know, they got a gig with... Uh, 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 David, um, uh, what you call it? Uh, well, whatever. Um, and, uh, and I'm looking for a guy who, you know, can, you know, take the, the gig, you know, for, for me, you know, I guess it's a good gig and they're paying well, whatever. And I overheard the conversation. I was like, Hey, I'm interested. So I got that gig and this was the biggest and most important theater in, in Venezuela, in Caracas, which is the Teatro Teresa Carreño. Teresa Carreño, yep. Yeah. And uh, this is all like the this room. This, this room was, I, 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 I will challenge you to find a room with better acoustics. Um, yeah, in many it's places. amazing, it's, amazing place. It was a holy grail in Latin America. It's the, um, like the Metropolitan. still there. Yeah. yeah, yeah, still there. Like the Metropolitan, but in Caracas, Venezuela, you know, like, wow movie stages, platforms, the whole thing. There's know, something special thing. about running sound in a, a, a well acoustically, like a room that's made for oh, that. Yeah. You know, yeah. you start pushing things up and you're just like, oh, it just gets better. Oh, yeah. you know, like yeah, there no, is something great about that. We, we were not doing anything popular. It was all, it was all culture, like, you know, classical music and dance oh, and, you know. That's like, super cool though. Opera. Yeah, that's what, I, that's, that's what I started doing first. You know, like I, I, I had to learn how to read and makes for video recording audio uh, yeah. uh, to the crowd and doing monitoring for uh, the operas and the whole thing. And I had to Oof. read for all the solos and learn how to mix an, or an orchestra working with conductors. Now, it was a, it was the best experience ever. And in the I 90s, a lot of big names were coming down. Too. That's right. That's yeah. right. But I, I didn't do anything rock, uh, pop or any other style like in the theater until I don't know why I remember yes playing there in the oh, early nineties. Right. Like, that's right, that's right, that's right, that's right. That was like, a great show. I was there. I was there. Wow. It was, was a great like, freaking show. But I'd be like, I want to go see yes or, or Rick Wakeman. One but I, I didn't go, but I do remember seeing the commercials everywhere. Because <laughs> yeah, yes you know, has commercials on TV when they play a theater down there in the 90s. Yeah, that's right. And you're younger <laughs> than I, right? 
you're you're like yeah yeah i'm yeah yeah um i and i was i was born in 83 so so well i'm I'm 74 exactly you know but uh the thing is that uh uh i i left the theater with that that tour with aldi meola stanley clark and jack uh, jean-luc ponty that was my first tour getting out of the country you know, like they, they took me in to be the assistant of the assistant of the assistant, you know, like a runner, pretty yeah. much. But, uh, you know, I left with them, you know. Wow, what and a killer was, lineup. Jeez. Yeah, that's right. That's, that's awesome. Amazing. And, and, you know, because I could speak English a little bit. So, I, you know, they were like, you know, we're, we're going to keep going to South America. They seem to know you were around. So they took me out. And, um, and but, you know, the funny thing is that the guy that gave, gave me the gig at that theater he was turning, he was going to be the manager of this new upcoming band in Venezuela going to New York to record the new album or whatever, Los Amigos Invisibles, which is the band that I work, you know, that, I, like, that I've been working with for the last, dude, like 15 years. That's so. By the you way, know? they were leaving, they were leaving Venezuela uh, West. A That's right. Time. That was, was signed, I, I was signed by David Byrne. That's uh, right. David yeah. Byrne, Uncle David. Yeah. That's right. David yeah. Byrne. We talk about David Byrne about once in every episode lately. For yeah, it's crazy how, how often his <laughs> name comes back. up. You know, people are like, oh, and when I worked with David Byrne, I was like, you too? Wow. He's <laughs> everywhere. He's yeah. everywhere. He's been everywhere forever. You know, his band is considered a punk band and it, 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 they had nothing punk. <laughs> you know, um, which yeah. makes him really punk. I think <laughs> I say, I, really yeah. punk. Exactly. I think he's very punk, actually. Yeah. <laughs> it's like made up punk. <laughs> I, I, I know him personally, man. We call him Uncle David, and you know, I've been to his house, and uh, and it's 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 it's, it's, it's character, dude. It's like you know, I kind of imagine that Prince must have been exactly the same thing. You know, when you're around these people, they're like Illuminati. You know, like they have this vibe of. <laughs> You know, uh, <laughs> you know, um, Oracle that you can ask him whatever, and they will know. Like, right. you know what I mean? <laughs> this guy, I mean, the way the way he he knew about Los Amigos Invisibles, he was he was uh, opening Luacabob, which was his um, label. You know, he was starting to do put this label together, and then he went to Tower Records to start, you know, searching for new things, new sounds and new things, you know, just to follow stream and try to make his uh, label something different. And then <clears throat> he came up with the only two albums from Los Amigos that were in that store. <laughs> and he bought one. And here's the thing, here's the funny story about uh, David and Los Amigos. Uh, the band had this friend who could speak like four languages and he, he, he was really good with accents. So he would call them on a regular basis, uh, you know, like uh, being somebody else from whatever label and fuck with them like on a regular basis, right? So when, when David called them, you know, they answered the phone and they were like, well, this is, this is you know, David, uh, David uh, what's the last name? Uh, David Byrne. And they were like, yeah, right. And they hang up and he called again. No, listen, this is David Byrne. We're calling from Luck about this, you know, like, I don't know if you know my name. Like, yeah, yeah, dude, stop fucking with us. Clink. And, they were like, <laughs> <laughs> and then it happened, for like, you know, five times. And so David uh, put his CEO, put him on a plane and sent him to Caracas, Venezuela to find these guys and meet them. 
You know, wow. that's the story with David Byrne because they wouldn't believe him. They could, you know, like they wouldn't believe like yeah, David Byrne calling us. I mean, fuck off. Well, it's the the last uh, when we did uh, Zach Crisp, he, he talked about David Byrne. And I think he had a if I remember correctly, it was a similar story where it's just like, what? No, no. You know, yeah, he called me directly or something like that. Yeah. yeah and he's like, no, no, that's not cool. No. Nah. I mean, come on. Stop messing with me. Yeah, yeah, that's that's funny. So from there, man, I I went I started doing this big festival, which is like the the I, I, I like to say the first. Uh, Vive Latino, which is the biggest festival in Latin America, in, mm -hmm. in, done in Mexico. But before that, it was in Colombia, this um, um, Rock al Parque. Right. Uh, yeah, which is Rock at the Park. And, you know, like, big, you know, like, you know, you can. And you were doing bands with this or just contract? Go and do No, this I was traveling to put the festival together. You yeah. know, that back yeah. then, I, I, I was savvy. Because, you know, like I had the whole theater school and all this new uh, knowledge of how to, um, you know, work the logistics of, you know, in and out of the stage, mm -hmm. you know, like pretty much, you know, like many different risers and the whole thing. And, um, and, uh, and, and, and I did a lot of that for many years until I, you know, like I, I, I actually started late in the 2000s mixing. Really, like really mixing, mm -hmm. so I dedicating myself to, because, you know, like I used to like doing it, you know, I, I did a lot of monitors back in the day too, but I, you know, like it was never my main thing. Actually, the way I approach my work, the, the last place where I go when I'm working is front of house. You know, like if it was something that I threw people, you know, out, like, you know, every time I walk to the venue, because, you know, like I'm on stage working on stage like you know placing my mics the way i like it you know like spacing you know like you know making sure that everything's safe mm -hmm. and you don't have a stage guy but uh you know it's, it's the thing that i you know i'm natural and and you know like it cost me nothing and, and i had to do it otherwise you know we're all control freaks I mean, and a lot of times and a lot of times with newer tours you're doing both monitor and that's right that's right that's right that's right i do i do I do, you know, I'd rather not, and maybe because I'm, you know, I'm getting old and, you know, like, it's like, you know, fuck off, just, but, you know, pay your guy, just spend the money, <laughs> you know, with the band, you know. Yeah. Spend don't the money on work. the important guy, the monitor Yeah, guy. yeah, man, just that's just... your guy, or travel with him, you know, like, don't, don't push me, because, you know, sometimes, you know, the thing with that to me is, like, you know, I'll do monitors for you, but as soon as the show starts, I won't even look to the stage anymore, you know, like, I'm, I'm here. You know, because, mm -hmm. you know, like my formula is, is, you know, my algorithm is all in math. Like, I don't need to see what's going on on stage. Like, I know, you know, bar by bar what's going on, what effects to, you know, like, I don't need to look up, you know. So especially if I'm not, if, if I'm doing monitors, because, you know, you start seeing them like, you know, waving at you and, you know, like, give me more of this or do it. I don't have to, you know, like... <laughs> I got four delays going on and river and I got to change this thing. You know, I got to, you know, I got to show that I need to run, you know, like I can right. stop to get, give you a little bit more. So after you were doing the, the all, all over Latin America. With the, with Holman. Rock al Parque and, and all the festivals. Well, I, I was traveling. Yeah. I was, you know, I, I, I met a few, uh, uh, 
crew members along the way, my years at the theater, you know, all the international acts that were coming through. And uh, I had good uh, contact and I started like moving around to seeing my, you know, what my options were. And, um, and after, uh, you know, like quite a few years uh, touring, I decided to stop and, and that's when I moved to New York City. I moved to New York City. I got married and again, and I moved to New York City and, uh, and I went to school there right. for new technology. I wanted to know new technology. That's when I started like actually mixing, mixing for real. You know, like uh, it, 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 applying all the knowledge mm-hmm. and, uh, and using it uh, in the console, you know, because right. I, I don't trust, I don't trust Sony engineers that doesn't play in an instrument. That, that, you know, that's one of my main things. Yeah, I don't, I don't trust a guy that doesn't play an instrument. It's like, how do you know, dude? You what know? do you play? Yeah, me being, I play, I play guitar, bass. Well, I'm a bass player. I'm a bass right. player first. I'm a guitar player. I mean, I can play guitar and I play drums too. But, you know, like in the theater, being a musician, you know, like I remember back in, in the day in the theater, being a musician and working with conductors, that's what they all uh, agree, uh, uh, you know, every single time that they, they were correcting me with a mix. They were like, you need to go, go down. You're in the theater. There are musicians around everywhere, you know, doing scales and, you know, practicing and, you know, working with their bands and everywhere around the skirts of the theater. So go there, spend time, sit down with these guys, listen to the instrument, how it sounds, you know, how, you know, the difference in, you know, between musicians and their sounds, you know, like what they do, electric or not electric, what they do special, you know, and the way they play it. So I think me- having, the, having the theater background probably helped you a lot. And I, and I say that from personally being in a band where there's horns. Yeah. And, 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 and be, and living in a city where there's not a, that many horn bands. Mm-hmm. See, so, so you I, walk I on love. a stage and you get a lot of uh, people that don't, that are not used to getting a horn on stage. Oh, yeah. man. That's, I think most sound guys, if you ask most professional sound guys, you know, they are going to say that they would rather mix a funk band with horns and percussion and all that stuff than a four-piece rock band any day of the week. 100%. Because yeah. it's so much more fun. You know, yeah. like I want all of that. I grew up. But it's, you not know, what you, it's not what you find on a Wednesday night necessarily. Sure. <laughs> well, I, you know, so like I did sound here in, in Denton, which we have UNT, the big jazz school and biggest Ooh. jazz school in the world here. Right. So we would, when I was going to school here, Wednesday nights, you would have the two o'clock lab band at the club playing. So you would have full on lab bands playing constantly. And those lab guys to blow off steam after being in the hardest classes ever, you know, for jazz on the weekends, they played in funk bands. So you would have these ridiculous, like 15 piece, 20 piece funk bands (laughs) on a five by 10 stage, you know, just killing it. Cause you know, they're they're amazing. that's some skills, man. Yeah. <laughs> you know, the, you mm-hmm. know, yeah. Play one direction, man. One direction. Well, and that's that's what they would get down. They would have that whole thing where they were like going together, synchronized. You know, like it's like, oh my god, these guys are amazing. There's 20 people here. You know, like it's ridiculous. <laughs> but that's that's the town I grew up in. You know, where they, you know, literally, you could you could not swing a dead cat without hitting a band that was better than yours. You know, it's just nuts. That, that was kind of that, that was kind of my town. Like there was nothing better to do. You know, like in, back in the eighties, 
we're up in the mountains. We weren't even in the city. We were up in the mountains. So they were all musicians. We're all like, like what city? Together. What city did you grow up in? Uh, uh, my city, San Antonio. San Antonio. San Antonio. Okay. San Antonio. I know there were a bunch of musicians up there. You see, we had no Like, I mean, every, <laughs> you know, every group of eight, you know, six are musicians in San Antonio. I mean, still today, like, you know, my, my sister's friends, like they all play something, dude, because, you know, you're out there, dude, it's perfect. Yeah. And we all live in houses and, and, you know, you have a basement and they all had, you know, set up for the band. You said Seattle earlier. That's everybody I know that lived in Seattle during the big, you know, through the, the late 80s, early 90s explosion of Seattle. That's exactly what they said. Nobody came through there. Nobody paid any attention to them. They're up in the mountains. They're all kids who have access to garages or yeah. or basements or whatever. So they yeah. just made their own music and they didn't care what anybody else thought. They just played it. And then all of a sudden somebody went, hey, this is kind of amazing, <laughs> you know? Exactly. And that's what happened. So you know, I, from, from I would also town. like to just point out just real quick, I did not have a bottle opener and I just opened this beer with this 58. Right I was going to say, he, <laughs> I, was, I saw you. I was like, I thought he could have the microphone. I guess it was a, a bottle opener. I, I literally <laughs> opened up. Uh, that's, you know, obviously I'm a sound guy. I can open a beer with a 58. Whatever. Well, <laughs> yeah, that's true. It's a good opportunity to talk to you about sure microphones. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a, that could be a good, good, yeah, a good commercial, a good pitch. All your audio needs, sure, Mike. Yeah. yeah, hammer, you know, bottle opener, um, whatever, and you know, it also sounds pretty good. Yeah, <laughs> so. it does. It's, it's, it does. It's, it's still, no matter what, man, is still the tool. My, you know, my, my, my main tool to go to war is a freaking, you know, sure, Mike. Whatever it is, whatever it is, whatever, you know, like it will, it will do the job, <laughs> you know, like yeah. that, that, that's what is that's so amazing about it. I remember handling so many. That's how we pay for this podcast, by the way, by talking about <laughs> <laughs> that. You know, I, remember, I remember handling so expensive microphone, man. They were so like brilliant and cure. Do you remember those microphones? Oh, yeah. They, they oh, yeah. Had, like I had like 20 of those in that theater because we did a lot of orchestra, yeah. you know, like a thousand dollar microphone. Mm -hmm. We had so many of those and they were so delicate to handle. And they had this like velvet pouch, you put it in, you know, it was a big thing, you know, but uh, with this mics, with sure mics, which is the brand that I've been carrying for the last 11 years. Yeah. You know, I have full rig of all, all my microphones, are sure everything actually so um the last name that we went to pre-pandemic um we went to that meeting and they were talking sure had the house in chicago i don't know if they still have it the, the yeah yeah the yeah we spent, we spent a weekend there yeah, and, and and one of the bands on the top five of bands have stayed in the house was amigos invisibles uh, yep. right there um, so right. Have, i know i know there's a good relationship right there yeah, we, we, we do have a good relationship with the, with the brand. It took me a lot, many, many years to, you know, have them uh, supply me with, you know, my, my request. And, um, but they did. They finally came through and, and, you know, and we worked pretty well for a long time. You know, now, now you know, I think we're the only band... <clears throat> In South America, in Latin America in general, that has a deal with Sure from the United States. They dropped every everybody 
at all the Latin uh, uh, bands from 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 Chicago, and they put it in whatever country they were with their own rep, mm -hmm. you know. But uh, Los Amigos, we remain with USA. Which That's guy, awesome. We're the only band. Yeah. <laughs> we, have good, cool. yeah we have a great relationship. You know, like I said, I take care of the brand. You know, actually, you know, I'm, I'm wearing, look, it's so true. <laughs> look. That is shirt underwear. Wow. Dude, that's the uh that's the reverb sure shirt. I have one exactly <laughs> like it. <laughs> that's right. That's that's, that's right. amazing, you know, man. It, and I can tell you, like, you know, there 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 are a few of those mics that I carry with me around that I don't like uh uh necessarily, and they wouldn't be my first uh choice, but they they get the job done and they're they're reliable. And that's that you know that's what what matters to me you know like I, I carry around so many different brands along the years with different bands touring around and you know they were very specific in it was the only brand that they were used or whatever or not and there were always problems or you know um issues. yeah there's a there's something to be said for reliability i mean you know like on the 58 thing, like I think a lot of people tend to, and I've talked about this before on the show, but I think you get imprinted with like the first live show you see, whatever vocal sound that is kind of imprints on your brain. And that's what you think live vocal should sound like. And more yeah. than likely that was a 58 that you heard. So that, that right. mid boost kind of thing that 58s do imprints on your brain is how live vocals are supposed to sound for better or for worse, you know, right. But at the end of the day, that is a very usable sound, you know, it's very easy to EQ no matter, you know, if you're on speakers on sticks to, you know, a 20 element per side line array, you know, like you can EQ that and make that sound good if you know what you're doing. And at the end of the day, you can hammer a nail with it and it'll still work the next day, right. you know, right. so. My guitar that, player, I used on him all the most expensive microphones that I have in, in my case and his guitar, mm -hmm. and he always goes back to, you know, dude, that's the mic that I like, a regular 57, regular 57, <laughs> yeah. not a better 57, a regular 57, mm -hmm. that's the sound for him, That that's the sound. And, and I mix them up, I use 181, and you know, like, and you know, like a better 25 or whatever, and dude, 57. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's and, and that's, that's the other thing too, coming up, so much of us, you know, because those microphones are priced well and uh, last forever, when you're playing and when you're working in the clubs and working your way up, that's what's there because yep. they buy what what will last and what is not necessarily the most expensive thing, you know? Oh. So you get used to 57s and 58s and you get that in your brain that, you know, there's, you know, you can literally, like if I see a, 50, a 57 on a guitar cab, I can probably close my eyes and grab the EQ on a on an analog console and make it that's sound, right. you know, with nothing, you know, it's just close a, my it, eyes. It's, it's an algorithm already. Like mm -hmm. you know where that knob should be. It's imprinted be. on your it's brain. Imprinted in your brain. If you've done this long enough, you know. Mm -hmm. From 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 having a past life, working for other companies that also made microphones and also try to sell microphones against the fifty-eight and the fifty-seven. Um, <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> I was a Bane Bill selling microphones, basically. Yeah. <laughs> and, and that's not to say there's not great microphones out there. No, no, no. I mean, and that was the thing. Even know. working at music stores, you have reps from other companies and tell you and come and say, hey, there's so-and-so. It has more clarity. It has this. I'm like, yeah, it does. But does that, what does that translate to? Yeah. yeah. Does it have the right and I've used a ton of other microphones, and I still love them on well, other it, things. 
that the, the real question is, will it take the beat? You know, because that's Not the too. thing. Yeah. You know, yeah. that's the thing. You know, like I, I sometimes I carry my mics. I mean, if it's a short trip and we're doing like small venue or whatever, I carry them in my, in my backpack. Backpack, you know, yes. In <laughs> pouch, my backpack, and, mm -hmm. and you know, like I, I don't bring the the, the pelican because you know it's too heavy or whatever, and it's a short trip, and they they're not paying full, whatever, whatnot. So they have to take the beat because you know, if you're tired, you put it down and you, you rest on it. You know what mm -hmm. I mean? You know fly what dates, fly, fly dates, it. man. Yeah. Like my every time I used to do fly dates, man, I would have my vocal mics and a couple of like special my special microphones that I can't live That's without. Right. They'd be in my bag, so the band would go through uh, before me because you send it through and it looks like a pipe yeah. bomb, and you always get pulled yeah. over, and they they have to search through everything, you know. But right. uh, the band learned the first flight: don't get behind the sound guy, you know, <laughs> get in front of him when you're That's, going through that's security. my story, man. That's my yeah. story. But I, you know, I they've got to last that. I carry I carry my in ears the nine hundreds. I carry mm -hmm. the backpack, two of them, you know, mounted together. I right. keep those with all the power and antennas and the whole thing and and you know bell packs and the whole nine. And every time I go through, yeah, they're wiping your hands you know, with the thing, dude, <laughs> with the bomb it's juice. Just like, you know, they know they go ahead and I go like you know, or or I go first. They go like let's go eat, and then I have to go you know past security and I meet you guys inside because you know yeah. it's gonna take me a while. They're gonna you yeah. know strip my whole bag and they're gonna see every single cable and if I'm allowed to pass my you know anything but right? dude any adapter that I have, you know, what it is for I'm like it's a butt plug. <laughs> so you started doing sound for amigos in New York. In New York City, that's right. That's right, that's right. Uh, uh, we uh, back in the day uh, uh, we used to travel dude a lot way more than than what we do now because we have two support and the band was hot you know because david was doing a lot of promotions and it was the first look about band and um and we were traveling to san francisco and la like like once every two weeks like you know it was like on a regular basis and not not counting the shows that we were doing around the city and you know like philly and washington and whatever so wait were those all fly dates for you guys or were you like we driving? were doing part on the road like you know like it, it was uh east coast uh -huh. everything four hour uh you know from the city from new york city we will you know ride it on uh do the bus a van. in a van or a sprinter or whatever you know like get all together right uh over four hours we'll fly and we keep it that way until today like we'll how many fly. how many guys in that band there are six and uh uh when we're in the states we trouble eight you mm. know like uh i do front of house and monitors and stage and the whole thing and yeah. you know roadie and, and the whole nine because you know yeah exactly and and you know like when you're doing it for so long dude it's the natural thing you know yeah And uh, my tour manager, he, you know, takes care of the whole touring uh, managing and he does lights. So we oh. travel eight and we take care of everything, the eight of us. Um, and and, and he, he goes back to the show, by the way, because I've seen him and tour manager Mondra next to each other and it's like dancing. One is controlling lights, the other one is on, on the board. Um, it's it's, it's a whole show. It's, a, it's an experience. You just said it before. It, it's an experience. And, and we make sure... We we like it when we're in and out and you don't even notice that we were there. It that's that's our main thing with every single client that you know we had. Uh it's just like we go in and out and you wouldn't even notice that we were there. Like, you know, like we'll give you shit, we're gonna give you problems, and it's gonna be all like you know, what what it is, what you see is what you get. 
And when we agreed, before we uh, got into the venue, that's that's what we're gonna do. You know. So and, were you doing stuff with amigos in 2004, 2005? Yeah, that's right. Um, Whereas there is a big chance you work at Trees in Dallas around that time. Yeah, right? that's right. Yeah, I, I, I'm pretty sure you guys crossed path. Probably, I, I was saw, the monitor I guy at Trees. There. Yeah, I was the monitor guy at Trees. So when uh, when Trees shut down, uh, the and then they reopened. Now they're they're reopened, but the original Trees uh, when it shut down, I was the monitor guy there for like the last two years that it was open. So like, Definitely. If, we, if we, anything we, if anything happened in that two years, I was there. <laughs> yeah, well, that's kind of the way it was back in Venezuela with me, 92, 97. If anything happened in those videos around, I was there. Yeah. For sure. <laughs> For By the sure. way, I was at that show, uh, uh, and there was a big chance uh, Trees had to buy a new subwoofer uh, after they left. Because that thing was... <laughs> It, it was taking we beat back. that PASPA so it was hard. so much. Oh, we we regularly <laughs> would beat that thing up. I've I've told Felix some stories about like having high on fire in there and it just being so brutally loud. <laughs> like at monitor position, which was you know on stage left, and they had that fold down thing for the stairs. Like I would literally be at monitor position with earplugs in and then shooter muffs over the earplugs Get and out. hiding underneath the thing, trying to sneak out. And reach because the SPL was, I swear, like 123, 124, right at monitor position. You know, That's crazy. That's yeah, when you have three Soldanos, uh, 100 watt Soldanos on stage with eight cabinets on stage for the guitar on that side of the stage, dimed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. that and Motorhead are the two highest, the two loudest shows I've ever done. So, yeah, Motorhead, Motorhead, yeah. Everything yeah. louder than everything else. <laughs> I've, I've seen Motorhead, and yeah, yeah, I know, I know, you're right. I mean, I never, I never seen anything louder than that. Well, it's I so did painful. Slayer. I did Slayer in Mexico, mm. and that was ridiculous. And 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 Prodigy, Prodigy was like, get the fuck. I bet, man. I bet. Prodigy was moving so much air. Yeah, Good. a lot Good. of sub going on there. Good. Check this out. Now there were, you know, AAW is one of your brands. Now check this out. The the. The See, he, he did some homework. He did the homework. <laughs> he did do some homework. There you go. There you go. Look at that. There you go. The monitor, the, 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 the monitor rig for the keyboardist, mm -hmm. for Prodigy's keyboardist, there were four KF450. Uh, oh, four, my God. Four, <laughs> right? The full belly, like, you know, four of those and, and two... Uh, what, what, what was the number of those subs? Those, those EAW subs. They came with that with the, those K, KS. Uh, 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 they were four fifties, seven fifties, eight in the eight fifties. Eight fifties, the big ones. The, yeah. the, big, yeah. with the flat, big, big flat ones, right? Two of right. those mounted, brought on a on a, on a rolling <laughs> riser behind him. Facing the crowd, wow. that was his mother rig, dude. We call those Texas headphones. Yeah, <laughs> and uh, and and uh, they use analog consoles. They don't, they don't, they don't use digital consoles. Right. Wow. Today, no uh, digital console, all analog. He brought his own rig of you know preamps and like a studio man. I, I remember that was the first time I saw a band. I mean, I never seen him live, but as a kid, like getting into. I was I was into metal and rock and punk, and that was the first time I got the concept of electronic music. Mm -hmm. uh, the back of Fat of the Land uh, booklet, there is a picture of his rig, and you're like, 
wait, that that makes that sound? <laughs> you know, like how do you <laughs> like how do you get that bass to go? Boo, 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 boo. That's uh, awesome. It just blew my mind that that's what electronics could do. Uh, yeah, man. I always go that, back to that band going like, yeah, man, that was it. That was the one. That, they that were amazing, dude. I mean, that band was freaking amazing. Wait, that I want to was- go back to Slayer in Mexico. Like <laughs> that, I bet that was because like. As as a kid that grew up listening to metal all through the eighties, I was a big metal oh, kid, and, and I'm I'm a metal dad now. I'm literally the only guy that has a black flag uh, punk. I have is a black flag sticker on the on the back of my the Honda minivan. Odyssey. Yeah, the minivan. <laughs> um, <laughs> so uh, we were at an EW event, and 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 Kelly goes like <laughs> one of our she's our marketing and social media person. She looks at uh, she's like that car needs to be moved. Who's whose band is that? I'm like, dude, it's a minivan with black flag sticker. Who do you think? but yeah we we always used to talk about back in back in the day that you know if uh metal bands that went to latin america it was like nuts you know the hotter it gets in wherever you are the more into metal you are like that's it that's that there's some kind of venn diagram that shows like heat and metal however hard you are there's a big cross point there so i bet slayer in mexico was insane it was a tribal thing i mean this is how i got to mexico this is how you know my many one of my many stories doing this business uh, I was uh, I was doing shows. We were doing a lot of shows here, so I was traveling a lot doing prep. You know, like coming before and going to the venues, and there, there, you know, there, there's, these were going to be big shows with Van, and I was doing the you know pre-production ahead. And uh, and and I was living in Barcelona back, you know, back back, back then. And um, and I was here and, and you, know, I, you know, my plan was to stay here two days and go back to Barcelona because I had a few weeks off before the next tour in Mexico and the rest of South America. And, uh, and then I got these, you know, these guys that I, that I knew they were putting this festival together and um, uh, called uh, the, Re- the revolution, the, no, Maquinaria, the machinery. Mm. And... Um, and all big names, big metal bands, uh, you know, it was Marilyn Manson, Slayer, Prodigy, uh, uh, In Flames, uh, you know, you know, mm-hmm. metal bands. Right. And, uh, and the, the, the stage manager and, you know, technical director and production manager, I mean, two weeks before the festival, this guy went AO to these guys. Like he disappeared on them. And uh, these guys came to me like, I I mean, when are you going back to Barcelona? I'm like, dude, I'm leaving tomorrow. The guy's like, dude, can you stay? Can you put this together? Can you you make it work? And well, show it to me. Let me see what you got. And let me see. Fortunately, uh, most of the crews that were coming together since it was a big tour, they they were touring together. Mm-hmm. I knew these guys, you know, like uh, I'm a metalhead too, um, you know, and, and, you know, like in, in New York City, I work with many of them and, you know, I got into the, the scenery, right? Right. And, um, and I, I knew a bunch of these guys, you know, they were tool managing, you know, production manager, whatever, you know, like, and, and I reconnected with them, but the, 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 the tone of these emails when I, when I got on <laughs> were like, listen, you asshole. It was just <laughs> like this, you know, like it was at that tone. And I'm, it, you know, it's, it's, we're about two weeks for this festival. We have no information, blah, blah, blah. You know, they already, we already have an advance. 
we're not, you know, we're not gonna go if we're listening to you in the next 24 hours like that. So I put it together. I managed to get all these guys since we knew each other. Uh, they actually couldn't believe that I was here. Like, what are you doing here? Because you know they, they knew me from New York. Like, what are you doing in Mexico doing this shit, man? And um, and and one of the bands. I mean, one of the main bands. I and mean, there were two days. One day was closed by uh, 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 and the next day was uh, Marilyn Manson. And uh, dude the amount of the wall of sound of guitars <laughs> <laughs> it was something that i would never experience before and i saw hcdz not too long ago before <laughs> that and, and and that thing was like oh my god and and the, uh, one of the things that i noticed and i've never seen i i, I was never on stage before that experience with a metal band mm-hmm. they had no pedal boards there were no pedal boards Oh, wow. No pedal boards in front. Roadies behind the stacks, they would do the changing of mm-hmm. sounds, dude. Yeah. <clears throat> you know, for every that's, song. <laughs> that's a super normal thing for metal bands. It, it was <laughs> that like, way they can run around and do all their yeah. stuff and it doesn't matter. They don't have to be anywhere, but that's a normal thing. I was like, what the hell? That's when I started noticing I would hate to be the guy that is in charge of the pedals backstage. It's the guitar tech. He's in it's charge of everything. I know. I still will be sweet. Yeah. Like, the only thing you up you will. <laughs> yeah, my, my buddy Bernie is a guitar tech for a lot of high-level bands, and you know he, he does that. I don't think I'm speaking out of turn that he was doing that for Aerosmith. So he's like the, that's a thing. The only thing he's know. not doing is playing because yeah. he's pretty much doing everything else yeah. <laughs> you know, like for, for that guitar player, like yeah. all – change of sounds and cues and stuff like you know like they got it on point i mean they know everything like because they're not even looking at the show you know they're behind the stacks they're not right. even looking at the show mm-hmm. they just like know the songs by yeah ear. they got their ears in and they're listening yeah. for their cues yeah 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 yeah, yeah. 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 so slayer uh-huh so slayer in mexico oh. so let's talk about the show <laughs> yeah so uh first of all how loud they were they were just freaking amazing and mm-hmm. They I've seen brand, him three times. <laughs> yeah, it's a brand, brand new arena. Brand new arena. And uh, there's like 40,000 people arena. Like brand new. Dude, that thing, that day was to the roof of people. <laughs> and everyone seemed to know the songs. They knew the songs. Like, you mm. know, they were singing along. <laughs> you know? This guy, was. they were all impressed. Because I think it was the first time of Slayer in, in, in Mexico. Like, you know, after that, they created this uh, Heaven and Hell Festival mm-hmm. that is from the Cavalera. I think the Cavalera brothers are... are yeah, yeah, the Sepultura I, guys. I, I, yeah. I, I tour, yeah, I toured with the Cavalera, uh, uh, with Cavalera Conspiracy, man. Oh, really? Wow. I, I, I'm a huge Sepultura fan, man. Yeah, Roots is yeah, yeah. Roots and, I know the and Cavalera, Rise is, are two of my favorite records of all time, know, especially I, Roots because it has all the indigenous, like, you know, drums and... and, and I did Flutes soul fly. and like all oh, this is so I, great. Soulfly is great too. I did Soulfly for a little while touring. The nail bomb. Yeah. The yeah, last nail time, bomb. the last time I did it was here in Mexico in one of those festivals. After after that, uh, ma- the Machinery Festival. After that, the 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 production manager, just like you know, big guy, huge guy, knew me from back then and saw me then again in Mexico. Was, you still here? I'm like, yeah. I need a front of house. You go. Do front of house. I need a front of house. You now. Now you're here. Oh. 
That's awesome. Loved it, man. Loved it, loved it, loved it. You know, like uh, in New York City, I got involved with the type of negative guys. You know, oh, the drummer yeah. used to work used to yeah. work with me in the sound company. So, like, I got involved with them before this guy died. Um, mm-hmm. Like, you know, like I like I I know the scene. Like, I know. Yeah, the you you definitely are are involved in that. So, I, I, we always ask. I, I want to kind of bring this around, but we uh, one of the questions I've started asking uh, because I find it fascinating is what was we all have those times where things have gone all kinds of sideways pear-shaped 100 percent, right so what is the the thing that you remember that went completely wrong and is there another time or that time where you managed to step in and save the day like tell me your worst thing and i would like to hear if it's uh if it's something you you brought it back I, I find those stories fascinating well there you go um we were doing a show in tampa tampa is definitely the armpit of america oh, man. That, that, that place is like listen you know shout out to our people in tampa yeah we love you guys but definitely like, i mean it's like i mean i know that i know that uh, you know all americans us americans because i'm a i'm a u.s citizen as well uh we tend to fuck with alabama in Georgia and like, you know, yeah. we just give them a lot of shit. But That's Florida, that. yeah. But it's a whole Tampa other thing. is like, dude, mm-hmm. really? Yeah. <laughs> For real? Well, um, we were doing a show in uh, in a shithole in Tampa, man. And, uh, and you know, like a very, very precarious, uh, you know, uh, situations there. Like, you know, it was like uh, an LS9 console and, uh, and you know, like- Of course it was there was. <laughs> and, and there was another, in, in no, no monitor console. It was just front of house. And, and I was mixing on side of the stage. And the opening act was like a scab band. And there were like 20 guys. I mean, it's just like, you know, it's just ridiculous, right? So um, uh, we do our sound check or whatever or not. Oh, 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 not you guys. Hold on. No, we're here. Um, hold on. I don't know what I did here. You're still on. Yeah, yeah, I know. But I will, whatever. So um, we do our sound check and we were, you know, we got there and it was like the last show, I want to say, of the tour. And, and, and we were coming from a long tour, man. So, you know, we were beat up. I mean, we did sound check and we went to the hotel. We slept the whole day and uh, we got to the show. And um, after the band, I mean, I had to like re- uh do my stage entirely and uh and you know like uh the, 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 you know the, the the opening act was a bigger band than us so there were like uh, there was another layer or a bunch of stuff in that layer that i was not using so i took the time just to mute all that layer i mean the, you know the the next channels mm-hmm. and then i and you know i went to my to my to my page so started doing the show and 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 this fig feedback started like growing you know it was really low the beginning but then <laughs> it started coming up like you know and getting bigger like you know it was deep deep feedback yeah and i will come you know go to my page and i, and I see like in, in my, my layer and i was like well these are all fine it's not the show and the show started already. And no, no, the show is it's happening. The show is, is going, going. All right. And then I go to the next layer of things and they're all muted. 
And I'm like, what the hell's going on, man? And then you go back to my layer, like everything, I mean, it's fine. Go channel by channel, listen to all of them, every, you know, every single instrument's in place. And I keep going like, dude, where? And dude, nonstop. For like, dude, for like eight minutes, <laughs> okay? Nonstop. There's no way to, uh, to you know, get rid of it. And your my anxiety it, is like yeah, fear you know, right now. You're just telling the story. <laughs> it was either that and, you know, the band, I mean, one of the things with this band is, you know, once they start, they don't stop. There's mm. no in-between songs. There's just like segue after segue. It's just like, and the next song. You know what I mean? Mm. They, they don't stop ever. It's like a DJ set for them. Right. And uh, so, you know, like they said, so they it went through the whole song, you know, and, you know, finally the, the front man, you know, like he went to me and like, dude, what the, f like, you know, he was really pissed off. I mean, this point is like, I mean, we paid this guy, but our sound guy is deaf, you know, like they, they <laughs> until today, until today, <sighs> until today, they, they, it's the same inside joke. Like, oh, <sighs> this is Ivan, this is our sound guy, but he's deaf. So you have to, Brutal. you know, talk loud to him because, you, yeah. <laughs> you know, you know. And he had to stop the show. They stopped the show. And I realized that, you know, when I was pulling microphones and all the rest of the stuff, one of the guys that was helping me, he he, he took the stand. You're still blaming one... the other guy. You're still blaming the other guy. No, 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 no. No, no, no. Wait, wait, wait. It was his fault. <laughs> I'm, not blaming, I'm not blaming him. But he, this is what happened. So he pulled the mic, dumped it underneath. Like, you know, like it got stuck in between the, 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 the bass drum you know, and the leg, mm -hmm. it was like, basically, you know, shoved in between the, you know, the leg of the bass Wait, drum. So there was a mic underneath yeah. the bass drum that yeah, was yeah, open? Yeah, it was, it was there. It was a 57. It was there, you know, they probably used it in horns or some other shit. But here's the thing. In the, in the next layer that I was looking, you know, I was looking at the mm -hmm. console. In the next layer, there was nothing because it was not there. There, were, there weren't enough channels for them to do that thing. So they patch it into one of those omni channels. You know what I mean? Like, yes. Oh, it's not, I mean, you're not looking it's at not it physically. It's not there. It's, it's in an omni input. Right. You know, <laughs> that they turn it around and made it a channel to get that microphone there. Wow. And that mic was the one that was underneath. Of course, I was not going to be able to see it. So what happened was like, you know, he stopped the song. I left his mic open in the front of the house and, and I muted everything around and it was still there. So you, know you knew I mean? it was something that yeah, wasn't like, part of your show. And I was like, you know, I was turning around looking at my two man and tell him like, dude, help him out, help me out. Because you know, like I, I, I'm not crazy. Mm -hmm. Tell me, where's this channel? You know, like, where's this thing? <laughs> so I, I, I sort of like, you know, okay, let's, let's troubleshoot this thing. Cause it's just not normal. I mean, and this is in the middle of the show. And it's just, this is happening. Everybody looking at me while I'm fixing this because I'm right next to the stage. Everybody's looking at me. There's nothing you know? worse than everybody looking at the sound guy in the yeah, middle of the yeah. show. And, 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 and the whole band giving me shit constantly oh. while I'm at it. Brutal. <laughs> you know, like, yeah, like every, whatever you can possibly imagine joke that you can have for a sound guy, they were doing it at that moment when I was trying On stage. <laughs> on stage. I was on stage looking, what the this thing whatever so i found the mic pull it you know then you know finally the the feedback was gone because you know it was it was it was leaking through the monitors the house the whole thing mm -hmm. it was a small venue 
you know, it wouldn't have in years back then in that, at that moment. I, oh. I, that, that has to be Oof. like the worst, worst wow. experience ever for me until today. That's the only show they can record that I fucked up ever wow. since I worked with these guys. Ever. ever. How was the rest of the show? <laughs> the After rest that. of the show it was fine, but it doesn't matter, dude. It doesn't yeah. matter anymore. I mean, what you remember is that yeah. what happened to that sound yeah. guy? And it was the last that's show of the tour, man. Yeah. That's why you go. That's, that's how you yeah. go. You know, that's there's the sound guy sucks. Yeah. There's so many times when like I always make this joke that if if there's ever if if people ever notice us, then there's something wrong. Like that's the only time anybody ever pays any attention to the sound guys if there's something wrong. So you're the you're the invisible dude until the shit hits the fan, and then everybody's the looking story, at you. The moral of the story: stay away from Tampa. No, the moral of the story is stay away from LS9. That's really the moral of the story. Oh, which, is, which, is the, which is the Tampa of mixers. No, you yes. have no idea. Yes. Yeah, exactly. It's the Tampa of mixers. You have no idea what that was. I mean. Because, you know, like one of the things, uh, I'm so anal when it comes to my things, you know, like, and, and they, they used to make fun of me, uh, you know, because of it. Because, you know, like, I'm the last one, the first one to get in, the last one to leave. And, and it's something mm -hmm. that I'm natural, you know, it, it's, it's, it's beyond me not to be there, like, and have everything the way I want it to be, you know. And, um, and that day, I think I remember very well that that day, it was one of those days that I was so tired that I was like, you know what? I'll fix it when I come back, you know, like I'll make sure everything is fine. you know, like, and that's what I keep, you know, that was a in the back moment. of my brain while I was trying to fix the problem was me saying, Oh, I'll fix it when you come back. Mm -hmm. You know, <laughs> Take, I mean, you fucked the last show on the tour. That is why we are control freaks because that was a teachable moment right there. That the second you let your guard down, everything yeah. goes to hell in a handbasket. That's you know? right. That's <laughs> so right. That's let right. me do, let me be a freak about this because if I don't, that's what happens. <laughs> well, I have another, I have another story, you know, compared to that one, but that's uh -huh. the worst one ever. But compared to that one, and this is one, one of the, 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 the few that I used to share with my, my class, with the ones that you did that, the ones that think that this is all a big party and, 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 and you know what I mean? Like you mm -hmm. don't have to take care of yourself or whatever, we're not. We were in, in, in Cancun, right? And we were doing this show that it was by the beach, but it was between inside of the Mangler you know, like the big, you know, like a, a you know, beach forest. Mm -hmm. and, and, and they caught, you know, like a big piece of it. And, and there was like a, like a football field, you know, and they mm -hmm. placed a stage there. But, you know, right. the, the heat and the mosquitoes were too killer. Mm. And uh, it was super hot and I was drinking beer. I'm not, a, I'm, not a, I'm not a drinker, you know, like with beer, like I have to take my pace, like bubbles for me are a killer, you know, champagne right. or beer. Yeah. And for me, is you know, drunk. And I was drinking a lot of this thing. And then what, the drummer, before we got out to the show, the, the drummer, he pulls out a bag of MDMA. And, and I see him like in the corner going like, and he goes like, he was, goes like, do you want some? I'm like, oh yeah, sure, 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 sure. Give me some of this shit. And I take some. And then I go to front of house and totally forgot the front of house was, it was not covered with turf. It was covered with Ooh. plastic bags, plastic bags, plastic, like, you know, garbage bags. Right. Open, plastic, sealed, you know, <laughs> all around plastic bags. Dude. 
There was no, not even a breeze. There was, there was a fan there and it was hot air. And I started doing my thing. That was the, the first and last time I ever occurred to me to do this, you know, get high before you go to do your job. Like, you know, that I all, that, that's why I always tell this, this, this story to my, <laughs> no, my student. Idea. So I get there, that's man. Your first, that's your first day as a teacher. Yeah. Last, guys, yeah. never do MDMA. Never do MDMA when you're mixing. Man, never do drugs in general. I mean, if you're going <laughs> to do a job, man, don't, don't, you know, do your thing. Do you think? I mean, it's very important for you to be clear-minded when, when you do this thing. I mean, I'm super anal when it comes to that. Like, and, and I'm the worst. After, after that is, you know, like full house. Whatever comes, that's fine. But it's just that moment. You need to be there because, you know, like it's, 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 you're part of the band. You're, that's your instrument. Yeah. That comes from your instrument. If you're drunk yeah. and you're playing drums, you, I mean, you know. So um, we get there and it was a block of <laughs> garbage bag. You know, like it, there were so many mosquitoes, they all just like an open window like this, dude. And it was so hot. I mean, if outside was like 120, inside was 2,500. It was ridiculous. And it started sweating. And I go pale, dude. And it was amazing. My two money goes like, are you okay, man? I'm like, no, dude. No, 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 no. Instead <laughs> of pouring water over me, I was dehydrated, dude. I was hitting, yeah. you know. At his stroke, you know, like badly, 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 badly. I had to go like after that, I couldn't even go. And, and you know, I, I got, fortunately for me, it was a show in Mexico and we have a full crew. So I could tell like my monitor guy and the rest of the guys, you know, get get the microphones, blah, 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 go back to the hotel. <laughs> <laughs> Party's over, man. You know? wow. <laughs> yeah. I've, as somebody who has mixed outside in Texas in June repeatedly, or July, you know, like I get the heat stroke thing. I cannot imagine having extra things sucking the hydration oh out of God. me to no, do that. Man. That's insane. It was insanity, man. It was the it was the most horrible feeling ever in my life. I mean, I know that people which is the exact it. opposite of MDMA. Yeah, <laughs> and, and that's, that's what everybody says when they mean, "What you went in a bad trip with MDMA?" Like, dude, you have no idea. I couldn't breathe. Wow. I couldn't breathe. I, I was, I was about, I was out. You know what happened was the Mondragon, which is my tour manager, comes to me and goes like, "Dude, do you know what it's like? Your mix is super high and like pinch, like really like." Okay. No, I didn't notice. No, dude. Yeah. Oh God, that's so crazy. Wow. Well, that's a great story to end on right there. Uh, well, hold on. Speaking okay. of drugs, do you still carry a bottle, a jar of Nutella in your backpack when you're? Oh playing? yeah, I do. I do. I do. I Wait. Do. I, I Wait. like sweets. Oh. I like sweets. What I mix? I keep. I keep. You know, I bring M and M's to the console. Nutella. I bring stuff like you know, you you, you sweep your way out. You know, <laughs> so your drug of choice is Nutella now. Yeah, that's amazing. Well, yeah, it's just like you know. Or I was or, at a uh, catering. I was at a catering in South by Southwest with this dude, and we eat. And he goes, "I'll be right back." And he brings two spoon. He gives me one. I'm like, "What's the spoon for?" And I was like, "Shut up, you'll see." He reaches in his backpack, up, uh, pulls out a jar of Nutella, <laughs> opens it, puts his, his spoon, takes it out, and then he hands me the jar. It's like, "There you go." <laughs> and what <laughs> dude at a festival you are the man it's like yeah. duct tape yeah. duct tape sm58 to nutella oh. peanuts and chocolate i carry yeah. peanuts and chocolate with me all the time yeah. like or, or nutella or stuff like that you know it's 
you, you need something to, you know, get your sugar rush, you know, yep. that is not a freaking drug before the show. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. you know, because that's what, that's what everybody's trying to get. Like, you know, they, people want to get that high, you know, just to get on and jump on stage and do whatever you need to do. Like in my case, I don't, I don't like to, I don't like to drink when I'm working. Cause you know, like it makes me feel dizzy or yeah. it's slow. And, uh, and, uh, and, and, you know, like sugar does it to me. You know, it gives me give me the kick that I need just to get on and you know. Up up on that sugar, man. Yeah. <laughs> give me that sugar, man. <laughs> I need the sugar, man. Go. <laughs> That's amazing. Iwan, brother. Yeah. Always a pleasure, dude. Yeah, this man. was so fun, man. We really we gotta, appreciate you we being might, on here. We might, be, we might have to do it again because I think we're uh, yeah, absolutely. Time, way man. more. Yeah, I feel like we just scraped the surface of the oh, stories. Yeah. So we're, we yeah. might have to do another one of these and really oh, dive yeah. into some of the uh, the darker details. Oh, man, I got, I got fun stories. Like, yeah. many. <laughs> That's awesome. Well, thanks for being on the show, man. We really appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you for having me.